this morning. Uh, we uh, last time we introduced this fourth, uh, the sixth section here uh, on our uh, well, actually the, the this part, the really the last section here uh, in Romans about our reasonable service, and it has to do with the relationship between the weaker and stronger brothers. And uh, we introduced that last time. Uh, this morning, my goal is to get through the first nine verses here, and uh, we'll do that uh, here. As and uh, then, so we're going to go down through the passage and then run over First Corinthians eight and see some things there, because again, in this section, we're talking about our reasonable service, and it's introduced to us in this foundational book of Romans, because as new believers and as you're getting going, you have. When he says reasonably serve, you're like, okay, what is that? Will of God, well, what is that? So he's introducing this information to us, and, and subsequently in later epistles, he will develop out the, the, the details. If you look at, in here in chapter 14, if you look at verse 10, but why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That's all he says about that in Romans 14. Verse 12, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. That's it. He doesn't tell you how it happens, what's going on, any of the details that we learn later in like 1 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 5, Okay. So the goal here in Romans is not to give all the detail, but rather it is to introduce this in our reasonable service. So for the very first time here, and actually in Romans 14, him mentioning the judgment seat of Christ really has to do with you judging the weaker brother. Don't you dare take the Lord's position. Being the judge belongs to the Lord. It's not your job. It's his job because your job, if you do it, you're going to do it wrong. You're going to do it badly. You're going to do it with a prejudice. You're going to do it with an ax to grind. You're not going to do it the way he's going to do it, which is just and justly and righteously. So that's really why he's introducing it. It's like in chapter 12 or chapter 12 there when he talks about the gifts. He introduces that there's gifts going on. He doesn't say anything about how they come about, what they're doing. He just says, hey, if you've got a gift, here's the proper attitude to have with that within the body, in that relationship to the body. So as we get into chapter 14 here, all the way down to chapter 15, verse 7, this issue here about the weaker brother, there's a relationship here that is to have, and it's part of our reasonable service. It's part of that coming about based upon that uh, renewing of our mind, being transformed, that living sacrifice mentality that we have here. And as again, as we go, verse 1, 14, 1, In him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, and another who is, who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. And again, we're, the first principle here with the weaker brother is we are to receive him, not to doubtful disputations. 
in other words, we're not arguing. We're not, you know, trying to yell it out. We're not trying to prove a one-up or any of that. We're, we're here to help him. We are to receive him. And we're to receive him, verse 3, for God hath received him. The value system that we are to apply when it comes to receiving one another. How am I to receive him? If you look over at, at uh, chapter 15, verse 7, the end of the section, Wherefore receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. How, did, how am I to receive him? The same way God has, that's the Father, and the same way Christ has. So we are to always think in God's viewpoint, God's perspective. That's the renewing of the mind. That's what transforms us into the image of his dear son. When we, where we, we possess, not where, we do possess his way of thinking. And then we can implement that, apply that in how we react, how we think about any, really any situation, not just the weaker brother. You have the mind of Christ. It's yours. It sits here in his word. That's why the Bible issue is an issue. It's in a King James Bible. You know, I say that and people go, well, yes, well, no, it's where it's at. All the other Bibles detract. Great verse in Hebrews 10 when he's quoting Psalms and he says, Lo, in the volume of the book it is written of me. Okay, so the central figure in the book is the Lord Jesus Christ. So in the English, because that's all I speak, and I speak it poorly sometimes, I understand that. But in English, if I have a book that promotes the Lord Jesus Christ, and I have a book that demotes him, which one would I go with? The one to promote. Why? Because he's the center figure. I know, oh, it's so much easier to read these others. Actually, it's not when you read the, the, the guys who study out the reading abilities and everything, you know. It's really not. It's really harder to read some of the new stuff. Have you guys, uh, I shouldn't have you, that message, the, the book, the, the Bible, oh, man, what a, you know, it's, it's, it's actually comical. It's sad, but it's, you know, but anyway, so when you think about this, how are we to receive him? We have the mind of Christ. We have the divine viewpoint. So what are we to do? We're to receive him. Verse 1, him that is weak in the faith. Again, it's an individual. It's not a whole group of people. This is an isolated situation. It's not always a situation you're going to run into. Okay, here in our local assembly, we have new folks that have come into us. We have folks that come, go, you know, bounce around, do all that stuff. How do you receive one another? Well, not to doubtful disputations. We're, the principle here of receive. Him that is weak in the faith. And we looked, again, last time, that issue of weak in the faith, that reference to the individual who is not yet built into the realm of their inner man, that system of Pauline truth. Okay? It doesn't mean that they're weak in faith. Not at all. Actually, this gentleman, he's just the opposite. If you look down there at verse 6, he that regardeth the day regardeth it unto who? The Lord. See that? Uh, later down in that verse, for he giveth God thanks. So you see, so he's not a malicious guy. This isn't someone who's looking for a fight. This is someone who 
just genuinely doesn't have the information. So how are you to receive them? How do you to work with them? Not to doubtful disputations. They're weak in the faith. We're exhorted to receive him. If you look at 15.1, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. We get over here, we'll see that issue again about liberty, infirmities. We think about being sick. It's not sick as in got a cough and a cold and in the hospital, but rather it's a deficiency in the truth. And we're to bear them, we're to come and bear that, work with them, help them. So it's an infirmity because for the stronger, it's an infirmity because we got to help them. We have to give up our rights sometimes, give up our liberty, see. And again, that whole issue there, I said it last time, Harry Boltema had said, no one has the right to give up their liberty, but we all, we do have the right we do have the liberty to give up our rights, and that's really the issue here. It's an infirmity that way. Now, come back to chapter 14. That's a quick review of last time, okay? Verse 4, who art thou that judgest another man's servant? Note, again, notice the questions here. This, these are questions to get you to think. Paul, Paul is not looking for you to answer him. He's looking for you to think about this. How are you receiving the weaker brother? How are you receiving the one who's deficient in Pauline truth? How, how are you dealing with these folks? How are you dealing? In other words, he, he's not looking for you to say, well, you're, you know, or I'm doing this. He's looking for you to think. To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he, is, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. Again, we are to... We're to bring our thinking in line with God's thinking. When God looks at the weaker brother, the weaker individual, what does he think? Well, he's in Christ. He's saved. He's blessed. He's complete. He's got it all. He's all sufficiency in all things. He's got all grace. He just doesn't know it yet. See? Now, it's interesting when we get over into chapter 16 and you get in verse 17 where Paul talks about marking and avoiding, see, now we're in the, that's a different realm. That's somebody who does know the truth, who's just now departing from it to go and then causing issues. See, it's not the weak, the weaker, he don't know. He knows nothing. He doesn't know how, he doesn't know the truth. He doesn't know how to apply the truth. But then you do have people who do know that are just looking for the fight. And those guys you mark and avoid and you move them on. Notice verse 5. One man esteem one day above another, another esteem every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Notice the guy. He's esteemed one day above another, another esteemed every day alike. So the weaker has a day issue. He esteems a day above all the others. The stronger brother knows what? We're not under the day system. We're good to go. But what does he say? The end of the verse is key. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. And that's the point here for the stronger. Okay? Because as a stronger brother or a stronger believer, sometimes we tend to want to help them educate them up quick. I 
can't accelerate your edification process. But what do you tend to do sometimes? Help them, move them, get them, go quick, quick, you know. And you can't do that. I can help you. I can be a helper of your joy, but I can't accelerate it. Let every man be, persu- let every man be fully persuaded where? In his own mind. When I look across the room, we are all at different levels of understanding. I wish you were all here at this. I can't get you there accelerating it. Who, how do you you got to get there on your own. See? Now, I'm going to keep laying it in front of you as often, as, all the time. Almost 30 years now, we've been laying it in front of you. But you got to get there. Come over, look down at verse 19. 14, 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify another. That's the point. We're up builders. We're building up. We're builder ups. He says over there that you may grow up in Christ. Grow up in him. And that's the idea. 14.5. One man esteem one day above another. And another esteem every day alike. Verse 6, he that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. Now stop there because we're talking about days. We've got a day here. So the weaker, the weak in the faith, they're in the faith because they regard it to where? To whom? To the Lord. Again, this isn't a weak in morality or a weak in character or any of that. It's just weak in the faith. The Pauline truth. Think about this guy. He's fully persuaded in his own mind here regarding the day. Well, come over to Galatians chapter 4. When he, when he says the day, look at Galatians chapter 4. And just think about the issue of the day. This guy's got some, we call it religious baggage, doesn't he? He's got some understanding, it's just in the wrong program. Uh, Galatians 4, verse 8. Howbeit then, when ye knew not God, ye did service unto them which by nature are no gods. The, the Galatians were Gentile heathens, and they had, a, they had a religion that they worshipped in, a religious system. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God. So what happened? They got saved. They're saved into the church, the body of Christ. How turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? See that again? They were in a religious system over here that kept them wire. Chained up in weak and beggarly. Weak. In infirmity. Not built up. Not strong. beggarly, they're they're destitute economically, destitute. Now watch verse 10. Ye observe days and months and times and years. Isn't that interesting? What's the religious system out there have? When's Lent? When's Yom Kippur? When does Hanukkah start? When does... When is this? When what do they have? They have a whole system, don't they? That boom, yeah. Christmas this year is on Sunday. 
We were debating what to do. We're having church. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> 9.30 and 11. You come when you can come. If you don't want to be here, that's fine. But when you think about it, but what does the system out there do? The weaker brother, he's in that. He gets saved out of that. And yet, what is he doing here in Galatians? He went right back. Verse 11, I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Brethren, I beseech you, be as I am, for I am as ye are. Ye have not injured me at all. Ye know how through infirmity of the flesh I preach the gospel unto you. And off he goes. And verse 19, my little children, of whom I travail in birth again unto Christ, be formed in you. Verse 21, tell me, ye that desire to be under the what? The law, do ye not hear the law? Come over to Colossians 2. So what happens is in this observation, observant of days in Romans 14, what's the weak brother got going on here? He's got some baggage on him from either an old religious system. Galatians, they went back into, they, they started in vain religion. They get saved into the church, the body of Christ, and then they're drugged right back into a vain religious system, but this time it's Israel's program, the law, because that's scriptural. This over here wasn't scriptural. This was pagan. But this is scriptural because we got Moses in the Old Testament. Boom, you know, we got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, bam, you know. And Paul was like, wait a second. You went from one weakened beggarly element to another weakened beggarly element. Colossians 2, verse 16, we're going to spend some time in Colossians in the second hour, probably the rest of the year. Let no man therefore judge you in meat, there's our eating thing we're going to look at, or in drink, or in respect of a holy day, or of the new moon, or of the Sabbath days. Who, who does the Sabbath day belong to in Scripture? Israel. It's not a day off, by the way. Israel understood it not to be a day off. It was a day for them to stop and reflect why God made creation and their role in creation. That's what, it, that's what Sabbath was. They weren't working six days and, all right, you, you guys just need a day off. And it wasn't that at all. It was, hey, you guys are going to stop one day a week and you're going to pay attention to what's going on, why you're here. Why did God create Israel? Well, why did he create creation? Verse 17, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Notice that, a shadow. Is a shadow the real deal? No. You see, all of that stuff in the Old Testament of days and all of that was a shadow of what? The real thing that hasn't come yet. That's why you've heard me say, and if you haven't, I'll say it right now so you've heard me say it. The Old Testament is a dress rehearsal for the big event in the future. You see it over here. You see the pictures, the types, all of that in here is the fulfillment. So go back to Romans 14. The day thing, he regards it unto the Lord. This isn't malicious. He's not arguing. He just doesn't understand that what? We're, that stuff is a shadow of things to come. You're the body. You don't have a day. Do you know that if we all got together and said, Sundays just don't work, we need to meet Thursdays, then guess when we're meeting? Thursday. I prefer Thursday. But, I, you know, actually, I enjoy Sunday. I enjoy every day. Let's just meet every day, okay? 
Just pick a day, all right? But see, the thing is, is there is no any of that regulation. The weak brother says, no, it's got to be Sunday. First, first day of the week. You know? No. How do you, re you just receive him. You're not arguing with him. What are you going to do? You're just going to show him some information of, hey, look, those, this is, you say that we ought to keep the high day, the Sabbath day. Well, here's what the Sabbath day, I said it, here's what the Sabbath day means. And you show them the doctrine. And you, but you can't accelerate that. They have to what? Be persuaded in their own mind. That's the point. Because, man, when we see, I, I see the new folks, I'm like, oh, man, here. And you just dump both wheelbarrows on them. And they go, oh, you know. And, and it's like, they can't do that. Here's a, here's a shovel full. <laughs> and they, but why? Because it's such, it's a, it is radically changing all their thinking. Chapter, uh, Romans 14. Verse 6, he that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord doth he regard it. Again, regard, it's unto the Lord. Always, please, when you talk with folks, you have, to have, you have to have enough truth and doctrine in your inner man to be able to identify what's happening in someone else spiritually and then go from there. That's why if you're saved, you know more about being saved than the lost person does. So open your mouth and give the gospel. Well, what if they ask me a question? Well, then you'll know where you're deficient at <laughs> and go study it up. You won't know that if you don't open your mouth. Verse, uh, verse 6 continues, He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not, to the Lord he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. And we'll come back to that eating here in just a minute. Verse 7, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. And whether we die, we die unto the Lord. And whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and living. And again, that's what he's talking about here. Verse 1 to 3, here, how are we going to receive him? First principle. Second principle is this principle here about lordship. Who is he? He's the Lord. This is what he wants done. This is how he interacts. This is his thinking. How does he think about the weak? Their mind. How do they think about the stronger? Their mind. Why? Because he's the Lord. And when I laid it out last week about the lordship, we're not talking about lordship, salvation, or any of that stuff. Almost said stupid. We don't use the S word, okay? I, I'm working on that. You don't use any of that re, religi superstitious religious stuff. No, he's the Lord. So Paul's saying, look, when he regards it under the Lord, he's regarding it in the right place because it belongs to the Lord. And that issue here of who are you and the sonship thing. Now let's go back up and talk about that issue about eating. Because that issue of eating and eating things offered unto idols gets to be a big issue even today, okay? Now, to get to there, we got to start <coughs> in 2 Timothy 2. So go to 2 Timothy 2. Because we have to think about the strong issue first. Because what I hope to do is we'll see the weak and we'll see the strong. We've been talking about the weak. Look at 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. 
Paul talking to Timothy. Okay, the church at large is an apostasy. Timothy is experiencing this in real time at Ephesus. They're departing from Paul and the truth. He says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The weaker brother doesn't understand that verse. The strong one will. Where am I going to be strong? Not in me, not in my activity, not in what I'm going to be doing, but where? In grace. Okay? Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong where? In the Lord. The weak brother, is not, he's going to try to do it in himself. He's, he's got his own thinking, his own persuasion going. Where is the stronger brother going to be? Strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Strong in grace, okay? So the, do you see the opposite of the way we think? How's that weak guy thinking? Doing it myself, I got to do this. I'm on the treadmill. I'm working it out. The stronger just relaxes in who they are in Christ, and that's where they're strong. Now, how are we to do this? How are we to develop the skill set of the proper application of being strong in grace, being strong in the Lord? Okay? That's the, that's the point here. As we start the book of Ephesians, come back to chapter 1, Paul lays this out. Now, the book of Ephesians is a book of doctrine. Next hour, I'm going to draw a big old chart on the board, and, and we'll show this out for you. But Ephesians is a book of doctrine. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction in righteousness. It's a book of doctrine. It's advanced doctrine, okay? And it's pertaining to the corporate body of Christ, to the whole of it, the bigness of it. Here's the goal. Here's what, why is God doing this body of Christ thing? Here's the goal. Well, you got to have to start somewhere. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Notice how Paul starts. How does he conclude it? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, 610. Watch where he starts it. I love that. Be, blessed be. Blessed. That word blessed in Scripture is more than happy. It's to speak well of. We're going to, the here's the Father. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to bless the Father. We're going to bless the blesser. We're going to speak well of the Father here. Why? Who hath blessed us? See, he's going to speak well of you now. He's going to speak well of you. He's going to bless you. Who, who are you? You're a member of the body of Christ. Who blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Notice, to be strong in the Lord, to be strong in the grace, we are going to have to be able to Understand, access, exploit all the spiritual blessings. If you notice, who hath, hath, past tense, already done. So we are what? We're blessed, aren't we? What did you do? 
absolutely nothing. What did the Father do? Everything. He blessed you. He blessed you with how many? All of them. So we're blessed. Done deal. Don't need, can't do, don't need more, can't do anything to get more. Now, let me ask you something. What's that weaker brother thinking? If I do, 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 I'll get more, 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 more. The strong guy is over here going, dude, relax. Ephesians 1.3. What's he doing? What's Ephesians 1.3? How do I do that? Because in his mind, what is he? He's on the treadmill of religion. He's do, 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 do. He hasn't got to the done, done, done part. <laughs> okay? Verse 4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Think about that. Here we go. Chosen. Chosen is, uh, is the same word for election or elect. When you go over to Mark, you get the definition. He chose you. Did he choose you or did he choose the body? He chose the body. You have the opportunity to join the body. What did he do before the foundation of the world? He says, I'm going to keep a secret. I'm going to do this with, an in, with a piece of humanity for the heavenly places. Okay, now watch what he said about that group of people. The group of people there. <clears throat> that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. To be strong in the Lord is to have an understanding of what God's ultimate purpose is for the church, the body of Christ. And his ultimate, gain, ultimate aim is to create this new agency, the church, the body of Christ, and that it's what? Holy and without blame. Holy, sanctified, set apart for a purpose which it was created and without blame. The adversary can't say, nay, 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 they're mine. No, not at all. We don't belong to him. What is the weaker? The weaker brother doesn't understand that at all. Actually, he's stuck on chosen, the word chosen. Election, elect. No. That's not God's aim. God's aim is that we're holy and without blame before him in love. See, the weaker's focus, he's, well, I'm one of the elect. Well, yeah, you are if you're in Christ. See, you, you got this, he, he doesn't, if I do this or that, then God's going to be happy with me. No, he's already happy with you. See, so it's in our thought process. God, ha God is happy because of who he is and what he's already provided. The strong understands that. They live in it. The weaker doesn't. What's he trying to do? Okay. Verse 5. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Well, we don't have the time to get into this because we've got to get going and get in 1 Corinthians. He's adopted, predestinated. That word defines itself. Destinated, predetermined. What did he predetermine for you? To be in the adoption of children into Jesus Christ. Now, adoption in Scripture doesn't mean adoption the way we think about it in our life, in time. Adoption in Scripture is simply the placement within the family as an, an adult son. You're not a child. 
you're an adult. And what do adults do? They make adult decisions based on information. Now, you can make weak decisions because you have a weak conscience, or you can make the strong. All right? We'll get into that in down in the future. Verse 6, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. Where is our acceptance? In the Beloved, the Beloved One, in Him. Not my spouse, not my church, not my job, not my children. It's where? In Him. By the way, your church will let you down. Your spouse will surely let you down. Your children will really let you down. He never lets you down. Where's my acceptance at? Right there. Okay? Verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. There it is, according to the riches of his grace. But what do we have? The forgiveness of sins. Now, what does the weaker brother do? He's camped in 1 John 1, 9. Pray, forgive, remember, have all my sins forgiven. No. What's the stronger? I'm already forgiven. Now, I messed up, and I'll correct the mess up. But I'm not correcting it to get forgiven. I am correcting it because it violated my Savior's word. Different motivation, see? The weaker, I got to do this to get. No, I'm already forgiven. See how the contrast here. And the weaker doesn't understand all of this yet. The stronger, he's exhorted to stand in it, live in it. Not to receive this guy with doubtful disputations, but to receive him, to help him, to say, hey, what are you doing, man? Don't you know you're forgiven? Here's the verses. <laughs> and help him out. Verse 8, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and in prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will. Isn't that interesting? He's made known unto us the mystery of his will. The Father's will is not a mystery. You're not have to out here read signposts and this and that. It's made known. It's revealed. What's the weaker do? He's looking for the signpost and the writing in the skies. The stronger brother says, no, it's revealed right here. Verse 11. By, by the way, verse 9, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that, here's the mystery of his will, in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. Which are in heaven, that's you and I. So what's God's will today? He's forming the church, the body of Christ. How's he doing that? He's taken heathens, Jews and Gentiles. He would have all men get saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's what he's doing. Earth is Israel, the true Israel of God, the little flock, the believing remnant. He's got their program over here. That's their program. Our program's right here. Verse 11, in whom? Also we have obtained an inheritance, being there's that word predestinated again, according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession and of the praise of his glory. And you finish the rest of the chapter, which we don't have the time because we've got to go to 1 Corinthians 8. So go to 1 Corinthians 8. The point is, is what does the weaker do? He's not in that, any of that in chapter 1. 
He's actually doing the opposite. The strong in the grace is resting in Ephesians 1, saying, this is who I am. I know it. I'm living here. And brother, I need to help you, man. Don't you know? <laughs> you're complete in Christ, Colossians 2.10. You know, you're complete there. You don't need to be struggling. So you, you, you're, you've been set free from that bondage of that weak and beggarly elements out there. And he goes, the weak, uh, could you just go back to verse 1? <laughs> Well, then what do you do? You go back to verse 1. Now, look at 1 Corinthians 8, because this issue about eating, and, and, it, and it's an issue, are you guys warm? No? Did it? Okay. It's just me. I'm warmed up, I guess. 1 Corinthians 8. So in Romans 14, verse 2, verse 3, verse 6, we saw this thing about eating. And Paul deals with it with the Corinthians Again, a book of reproof. Reproof in Scripture is bad behavior. They're not behaving according to the doctrine that they should have received out of Romans, out of the book of Romans. Okay? The Philippians aren't behaving according to the doctrine of Ephesians. Okay? Then correction, that's Galatians. That is bad doctrine. Galatians, they are mixing. Israel's law, the Mosaic law, and Paul's grace. And that's water and oil, and they don't mix. But they're doing a pretty good job of it. And actually, they have more law than grace, and that's what Paul did. Colossians, they're not holding the head, capital H, that Ephesians has promoted the Lord to. They're off in their own thing, okay? Now, 1 Corinthians 8, verse 1. Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge... Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. Now, notice this verse carefully. Knowledge is good. It is needed. It's just not all there is in the equation. We are to learn. We are to grow in Pauline truth. Yet without charity, without that application of the doctrine, proper application of the doctrine, what is the knowledge? Just puffed up just a bunch of head knowledge you ever know someone who's got a lot of head knowledge but no heart knowledge heart in it that's what he's talking we know knowledge without charity just simply leads to nothing but trouble notice verse four as concerning therefore the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols we know See that? We know. Verse 10, For if any man see thee which hast knowledge, see that issue of knowledge, verse 11, and through the not thy knowledge, the whole chapter has to do with possessing knowledge about meats that have been offered to idols. This is where Romans 14 comes in. Verse 1, We all have knowledge, and again, the context of the knowledge is about eating meat offered to idols. All right? If you go into certain neighborhoods in Chicago growing up, you went into certain ethnic restaurants, and you sat down and you had whatever was the special of the day, more than likely it came off of the pagan idol from the temple down the road somewhere in the neighborhood. Because they would offer sacrifices, and then they would sell the meat, 
to the local restaurant guys or the restaurant people provided it or you did whatever. And you know what you would do? You would sit there and eat it and never know because it was Peking duck on the menu or whatever. I don't know. Okay. All right. It wasn't Peking duck. But you, okay. You would never know. But if you did know, what's my attitude to be? And what Paul is going to get us to, to think about here is that proper exercise of our liberty. And actually in chapter 8, 9, and 10, the core underlining issue is the proper exercise of our liberty. Verse 2, And if any man think he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing, yet as he ought to know. We all have knowledge, folks. See, look at it. We should all, we do know, but without that charity, it just is just empty, useless knowledge. Verse 3, but if any man love God, the same is known of him. Now, watch this. How do you express your love to God? That's what he's talking about there in verse 3. How are you going to express, in this area of eating meats offered to idols, how would you express your love to God? By doing what? By not hindering the weaker brother. By, by loving the weaker brother. You're gonna, if I'm going to express my love to God, you know what I'm going to do to the one that worries about this? I'm going to exercise my liberty. I'm going to give up my, I'm going to use my liberty to give up my rights to sit down and have some really good barbecue. Okay, so in verse 3, but if any man love God, how do I love God here in the context? What am I going to do? Well, it's going to be my interaction with the weaker. Verse 4, as concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice unto idols. Now watch, we know that the idol is nothing in the world and that there is none other God but one. What do we know? For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to who? To us, the stronger brother. There is but one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we are in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. To us, the stronger knows... That to go and sit down and eat barbecue that was offered over here on so-and-so's idol is nothing. It's just food. That's all that it is. There isn't anything in there that's going to make me gain a blessing with God, secure my position in the body of Christ. Why? Because I have Ephesians 1 in me. I'm blessed. I'm sealed. 113. I'm in, man. I just get a chance to eat some real good barbecue. You follow that? Verse 7, how be it, there is not in every man that knowledge. Now, you have to watch this carefully. Not everybody has, why? What does the weaker say? Man, that was offered to the idol of the tree god, and I'm not eating it. The stronger guy is sitting there going, dude, that's a really good barbecue, man. You'd really like it. I'll have an order to go. When he's not looking, right? Keep reading. For some with conscience of the idol unto this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being 
Notice, weak is defiled. The weak doesn't yet have this knowledge in regards to what to do with that meat offered to idols. So what are we to do, the stronger to do? We're to be very careful before a conscience sake. They haven't the conscience. Your conscience, uh, Romans 2 says, it excuses, accuses or excuses you. Your conscience is the part of your, your soul makeup that says that activity is in violation to the word of God. That activity violates what mama and daddy said don't do. See, that's your conscience. Well, if I don't have in, built into my conscience, into my inner man, what the Word of God says about, what, what is the Word of God there? It says verse 6. If I don't have verse 6 knowledge into me that I belong to the Lord and ain't nothing out there that is ever going to remove me from that, if I don't have Romans 6, 7, and 8 in me, okay, then I'm weak. My conscience is weak, see. I haven't built into that inner man what it means to walk as an adult son, exercising the liberty that we have in grace to sit down and have some real good barbecue. Because I'm not there in my understanding and application of his grace. Verse 8, but meat commendeth us not to God, for neither, see that, but meat commended us not to God? What? For neither if we eat are we better, neither if we eat not are we worse. See how nothing, none of this, your activity isn't the issue. What's the activity? What he's blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. And what has the Father done to you? And Well, done for you because of you being in Christ. See how, and verse 8 is wonderful. That's what you're teaching the weaker. Look, you can go and sit down and eat that big old piece of hog meat. It's okay. Why? Because that piece of meat has nothing to do. Okay? Keep reading. Verse 9. But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours. Well, what would be the liberty? Knowledge of verse 8, knowledge of verse 6. What are you doing? You're doing verse 10. For if any man see thee which hath knowledge, sit at meat in the idol's table. I mean, he's, you're sitting down there eating it, you know. Big old piece of, you know, side of beef, and boom, you're sitting there. A, uh, not A1. If you've got to put sauce on a steak, it's not done, and it's not a good piece of meat. Okay? A good piece of meat, you should never have to put sauce on. Maybe a little salt, a little pepper. That's about it. You just, boom, bam. Okay? And it's not even lunchtime. Look at verse 9. But take heed, lest by any means this liberty of yours become a stumbling block to them that are weak. Who is he addressing here? The stronger brother. The one who knows the one who understands, the one that's operating with knowledge, the stumbling block to them that are weak, weak in the faith. They don't, they don't have 
in their inner man. They don't have the knowledge of it. They don't, if they do, they're not quite there on applying it. You know, sometimes you know something and you go, I just don't feel comfortable doing that. So, no. Okay, that's what you got to have to acknowledge. Verse 10, for if any man see thee which hath knowledge, should it meet in the idol's temple, shall not the conscience of him which is weak be emboldened to eat those things which are offered to idols? Are you free to eat the meat? Yes. Because of what you know, verse 6, verse 8, verse, you know, Ephesians 1, you know that hey, this is just a big old piece of barbecue here. But, however, the conscience of him which is weak, they're not built up yet. He doesn't have the doctrine in him yet that enables him to partake. He doesn't have in him the information, the understanding to practically apply it to the details of life. He sees you eat it. He may sit down and eat it too. And what did you do? You violated his conscience because he's not there yet. He's doing it because he sees you do it, but he doesn't understand why you do it. Don't do it. That's the stronger. You give up your liberty. Did, you know, did that make sense? Okay. Again, we can't accelerate their edification. They have to be fully persuaded in his own mind. So here you go. We went a couple years ago. We went to the car show. I think it was good guys. We walked around all day, drooled, wiped off the drool, drooled some more. You know, we get done. We go up to Dave's famous barbecue, and we sit down to a nice meal, and we're eating. Well, what happens if one of us says, you know, I don't think we ought to be eating at Dave's. I think we ought to go to Cracker Barrel. First of all, we would have kicked them out of the car and made them walk home. But what would you do? See, you don't know until unless somebody does what? Speaks up and says, hey, wait a minute, guys. I have a little struggle with this. At that moment, what are you to do the stronger? You're to exercise your liberty and give up that right to eat that and say, okay, look, let's go over here to Cracker Barrel and have some very bland food when we could have had the good stuff. And then you sit there the whole meal educating them on what they need to be educated on, okay? Come over real quick to 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4. You see, folks, you don't, he doesn't have the doctrine in him yet that enables him to practically live in liberty. This, 1 Timothy 4, verse 1, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in a latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with the hot iron. Notice, for forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats, that's not 1 Corinthians 8. Go back to 1 Corinthians 8. 1 Timothy 4, what have they done? They have, they've been in the faith. They have departed the faith. So now they're saying, you can't eat Dave's famous barbecue because it was offered to idol so-and-so because of a religious constraint that they're now imposing on you. 1 Corinthians 8, this is not that at all. He's weak in the faith. He just doesn't have built up any. He can't exercise his liberty yet. 
Now, 1 Corinthians 8, we've got to catch the end of this. Verse 11. And through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died. Now watch Paul's warning, because this is what's coming in Romans 14. And through thy knowledge. So here you are. You're the stronger brother. You're, you disregard the weaker brother's conscience, and you have the big plate of barbecue. He's a, you know he's weak. He doesn't think you ought to be eating meat to idol. He knows that. Okay? I used the illustration last week about here. We did the Lord's table, communion, and people objected because it looked too much like the Roman Catholic Mass. So we never did it again. Rather, we studied it out and we do something else. Okay? Perish. The, through, and through thy knowledge shall the weak brother perish. Now think about what does meat, what can meat do over time? Spoil, rotten, perish. You, you, the, you could cause the edification process in the weaker brother to be in danger here. You could actually kill it, perish. You can destroy it. Okay, so there's a warning here to the, a strong warning by Paul to the stronger, by the way, for whom Christ died. Whose responsibility is the weaker brother? Christ, not yours. He died for them. You didn't die for that guy. He died for them. Verse 12, but when ye, notice, sin so against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, ye sin against Christ. Notice, perish, send, 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 wound. The stronger is the one sinning. When you demand the exercise of your liberty at the expense of the weaker brother, that, that leads to his edification collapsing, and Paul says that's sin. That's strong. It's serious business here. Again, weak in the faith doesn't have the built up. We're not talking about somebody causing issues and division and problems and, you know, Romans 16, 17. We're talking about someone who is genuinely wanting to learn and to know and who just isn't there yet. Verse 13, Wherefore, if meat make my brother to offend... I will eat no flesh while the world standeth, lest I make my brother to offend. That's what the strong is to do. That's how we're to think. You know how we're to think? What's Paul say? There ain't no way I'm sinning <laughs> against the Lord Jesus Christ, and so there's no way I'm going to violate the weaker brother's conscience. And if I know that they have a hard time eating the Baconator from Wendy's, then I'm never going into Wendy's because I don't want to give that a, okay? What am I going to do? I'm going to sit with them. 
I'm going to educate them in chapter 8. I'm going to take them to 1 Timothy 4, where we understand that all the food given with Thanksgiving is good. I'm going to do a little dispensational study with them on the Levitical, or the, uh, the food legislation through Scripture, and hopefully help them do what? Come up. Now, go back to Romans 14. God, folks, God wants us all to live based upon a pure motivation, based upon being fully persuaded in our own mind. Now, if you come to Romans 14, and we're going to see this when we get down to it, verse 19. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and th things wherewith one may edify another. Okay? How, watch how Paul says this. Verse 20, 1420. For meat destroy not, for meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. It isn't evil to eat. It's eating it with what? Offense. You know it. See? We can go to Wendy's and have a Baconator or a Double Dave, or whatever, and you never open your mouth, I don't know you struggle with that. But as soon as you say, hey, I don't think we ought to be at Wendy's, because, you know, now we're going to... Now I have an opportunity to exercise my liberty in a certain manner. Keep reading. All things endued are pure, but it is evil for that man who eateth with offense. Verse 21, it is neither... It is good neither to eat flesh, nor to drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in the thing which he alloweth. And he that double, uh, doubleth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And again, the evil and the sin here is the issue of offending the weaker brother. It isn't out doing a dastardly deed or whatever. It's very specific. And the ultimate point here is the stronger has to be careful on how we relate and deal with the weak in the faith those that have not built into their inner man the Pauline truth and the proper way to think about grace life. And we're to be careful with that. And again, when we get down, we'll get into those a little more thoroughly. So Romans 14, 1 to 9, how are we going to receive the weak in the faith? We're to receive him as God thinks about him, and how does he think about him? He thinks about him as an adult son who just doesn't have all the information on board. So your job, 1 Corinthians 8, is to do what? Help them with that information. You never will accelerate their, you never are to accelerate. By the way, if, if I was to try to accelerate your edification process, do you know what I just did to you? I put an unrealistic expectation upon you. I just put legalism on you. Because if you're not performing to my standard, well, it isn't me, so it's got to be you. That's the problem, see. And that's not great. Strong says, hey, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. I'm right here. I know where I'm at. The weaker brother is here. I'd, I want him to be over here. 
How do I do that? I give them the doctrine. Okay? If I violate that, then I've sinned. I've got evil. And again, the evil, that dead end of that verse, for whatsoever is not of faith is of sin, that gets abused so bad in Christian dumb, D-U-M-B. But yet it sits in a context that has nothing to do with what mainline religion uses it for. I've, I've heard people use that to say, if you don't give your 10% in the offering box, you're, that which is of not a faith is sin, and you're sinning against God. And they use that verse, they quote it, Romans 14, 23. I'm like, that's got a context, okay? All right, I took two minutes, but we'll get in there. We'll pick up in verse 10 next time. We'll start looking at the judgment seat of Christ. That's the plan, okay? All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for them. For the morning, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the ability to look into it, to study it, to think it through, and to make it our own. For all, for your honor and for your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. We'll see you back.